for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Just when you thought our preseason guide might be a tad too early. Boom! Application deadlines are right around the corner, y'all. Yeah, buddy. Wyoming comes in swinging. In what? That's right. Only 12 days away. Then comes Arizona, and the applications just keep rolling in. All right, y'all. It's time to answer that when part of our series. So here it comes, grinders. It's part three of our elk preseason guide. The best week to hunt elk in 2021 and matching needs and goals. That discussion along with our elk bro shout outs. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkgrows.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, and from Katy, Texas, one of the important members of the Venezuelan Mafia, Luis Gonzalez, and from the DFW area. The less right, important member. The one and only Manano Graterón, <laughs> and from Cimarron, New Mexico, your elk hunting coaches, Leroy the Ninja Chavez is in Hello? the house. And WWJGD, what would Joe Gillia do? He is here live and with us from father-in-law's house this time huh joe <laughs> yeah we're hiding out in albuquerque exactly yeah Dude, seeing, seeing the grandbabies huh oh man i tell you that's uh life has changed totally man <laughs> fantastic guys good <laughs> yeah, to talk awesome. to y'all yeah good to see everybody man peace peace y'all yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh one question man i just had a had a piece come in and uh, oh, it, it was one of our reviews on Apple Podcasts, and it was like it was just simple, quick, and short. When's the Spanish podcast? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> coming up, it's coming up, brother. So ship stay on tuned. Like. <laughs> the recording will take place on January 29th. 
January 29th. That's when so, we were going to record now. Right. So after that, oh. we'll have to do all the editing. So Manano's Spanish so, accent also is fixed because, yeah, trust me, not even in Spanish he can speak normally oh, oh. like everybody else can do. It's always Manano, right? First, right? February 1st, right? Huh? No, I don't think so because we're going to be hunting that weekend. Ah. Uh. And then so we are, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are, and the weekend after that, too, Beto. Yeah, yeah. man, we are, <laughs> yeah, so it's so awesome. I get to hunt with my buddy Luis, South Texas, in a while, yes, uh, sir. South Texas, oh, yes, sir. South Texas. If, if I remember right, one of our grinders is coming down, right? That's right, Mr. Paul Snored himself, Paul. he is going to be coming down, and uh, we're going to do some. Uh, chasing them little piggies down here that everybody loves to do. So it's going to be a big time, man. You guys that want to come hog hunt down here in South Texas, y'all give me a jingle, man. We can make it happen. That's awesome, man. Paul. I tell you, brother, I, I went hunting this past weekend, and them piggies can't take them heavy arrows, brother. Them heavy <laughs> arrows awesome. make some serious damage. It makes them sick. Bad medicine. Bad medicine. <laughs> Luis pills, those Luis Gonzalez pills make them sick quick. That's right. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I've got a, I've got, I have never seen that. It was at, at first when I saw the shot, I was like, what the heck is he doing, man? So for our listeners out there, we have a video and it'll end up on, on YouTube. I'm sure we have video. Luis has a pig not standing still, running at a little quick pace straight at him. And it's one of those deals when something, I think it was probably a better deal that the pig was coming at him straight. It almost makes it a stationary target because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. you're just filling up the he sight window. <laughs> squeezes that thing off and takes him dead center the snout is down aiming for mid-body takes yep. it through the snout and yep. drives that arrow all the way through that pig's head through the inner part of the body all the it, way back it clipped and, the heart joe when we uh, when we opened it up the heart was clipped by um, the shot i have never and when when i saw the photograph of where that arrow was <laughs> dead center going through that yeah. nose right there man it was Look, like it, i don't that's not a shot that that I'm, I'm proud of or that I want to, you know, that's not my objective, but, so, uh, but I, preservation then dude, he's coming I, right I got off, you. I got off the vehicle and I turned on my green light because it was at night. I was going to put a stock on this pig. And for some reason, this big stuff, this pig was probably, I don't know, 60, 70 yards from the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And I, as soon as I got off the vehicle, I started walking that way. The pig, pig got, I don't know what got into it, but it just started running down the road straight at me. I know exactly <clears> what <throat> got into him. He was coming after y'all. I, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm I, telling I just, you, dude, they will it, come get you. Point is, man, I got on my knees and it kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming. I shot this pig within 20 yards. I was like, okay, buddy, you're not going to turn or do anything like that. You're going to keep coming straight. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to let it go. And it just, it, it made the craziest thing, Joe. Those animals are so tough. After it took the shot. So I'm talking half arrow in through the front. You know, it uh, got into the vitals. Flipping the heart. 
Yeah. Went all the way through all the he vital. Made, he, yeah. he turned 180 degrees and ran back. You can see him running kind That's of fun. like in zigzag. And then right after the video, unfortunately, doesn't catch him falling. But immediately behind those bushes, he fell. I couldn't see him. And I was so confused. Like I got in the vehicle and I was like, what did you just, how, how come that animal did not drop just right there after that oh, shot? Yeah. So yeah. I went, I went just to walked a little bit further away and I saw him laying on the ground. I could see the Luminox sticking out. You know, out. as a kid, I was taught if a boar came <laughs> running at you like that, you aim right there for that nose and you take him out like that and it drops <laughs> right there. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, that's what we were we were taught. Really? Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Well, I guess you know you got yeah. to see how it. How I mean, it with a with a gun, if you want to drop a a boar coming at you, oh, that's yeah. your only opportunity, yeah. man. You got to aim right that snout and pull. And I've heard, and this pig was uh, was good, eighty pounds. Yeah. Uh, it was like 84 pounds or something mm -hmm. like that. And black so is not. What I've heard, <laughs> what I, yeah, it was super, super dark, yeah, super black. It, when I shot it, I was nervous because I've heard stories of broadheads actually bouncing off of the snout because of the angle. Mm -hmm. But, man, it, it goes back to the importance of having super sharp broadheads, man. That mm -hmm. did not. That arrow went in, didn't matter, an angle. It went right through bone. It broke through the whole nose Whoa. and snout, came out of the roof of the mouth, and it went right through the throat into the uh, thoracic hey, it cavity. Was, it was, it was. <laughs> Yo, y'all saw that one I shot. Y'all saw that one I sent you pictures of. I shot him right through the whole skull. He didn't take yeah. a step. King's X down. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, because we are the elk bros, what's your takeaway from what you've been doing right now with the pigs, with your equipment, Luis? Um, you have one? Yes, I, I do, Joe. And and look, one of the things that I've been trying to do is actually test different broadheads. Uh -huh. This is actually a different broadhead that I had tested before. And... Uh, uh, I, to me, I, I have used, with a heavy setup, I've used four different broadheads, mm -hmm. okay? And the four of them have performed great, okay? As long as I maintain the tip, the weight on the tip of the broadhead, meaning if my broadhead is 200 grains and I need 350, mm -hmm and the tip of the arrow then i make sure my insert weighs 150 if my broadhead is 150 then i put on a 100 grain insert so i've noticed that even if i have four different broadheads but my total arrow weight is the same and my front weight is the same mm -hmm. and they're properly tuned mm -hmm. they all fly the same at the same. every distance and half strong penetration. Yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, I 100% agree with Mr. Luis. I mean, you know, and again, like he's saying, I believe you can kill a daggum elephant with a field tip if you put it through both lungs, you know, but yeah. these critters got a plate that's so hard to shoot through, and he's blowing through them like it's, you know, like it's a cream puff, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's what makes these broadheads and his setup so impressive. You know? I'm going to keep throwing those questions out there, though, because, I mean, the world wants to know. So did you have to increase your spine on your arrows for that heavy weight? Yeah, so uh, and, and we, we 
posted that video on YouTube, Joe, right, where, right, yeah. where, we're, right. uh, where we're talking about the process that I went through. Yeah. Um, so and, you guys go check that out, man. It's on our YouTube. It's talking about Arrow Build that Luis does on there. Uh, and you can get all the facts on this. But, but, you know, and, and that's why I'm saying this, Luis, is <clears throat> you guys, I mean, I know you guys, your critters are pig. You love to hunt those, man. You guys are always eating that pork. It's just phenomenal. Um, some of the recipes you guys do are just I had, I had lunch. I had pig today for lunch. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I had elk today for lunch. I, I had, <laughs> I had elk elk today lunch, for dinner. I had to go pay for it at whole hog, man. You guys are getting it out. I mean, you guys are going full circle from the field yeah. to the table, man. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, but I, I always want to connect it because I know a big part of what y'all are doing is it's also your testing ground for yes, elk season. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I always want to look at that like, you know, what if you did a 125 wasp? I'd I'd be interested to see what that looks like. I did. Yeah, really, huh? Yeah. So I got you the wasp. The wasp That's one of the four that I have tested now. Oh, awesome! So I shot the wasp. Uh, the uh, it's called it's the traditional, but it's called uh, oh man, what's the name of it? Yeah, it's the traditional wasp. It's actually it's got four. It's got two. It's a two blade, but it's got uh, two Beaters. leaders. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's solid. It's solid. I just, I just today, I had to. The the bleeders bend it a little bit, but nothing that you know, yeah. a little Dude, filing. I want to see like my a hammer. muzzy phantom. I want to see my hammer on your setup. Yeah. My hammer or, or the boss on your setup. I want to see what that does, man. So yeah, it did yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but long short, yes, Joe. I did test different spines. Oh. That's the whole point of. Uh, yeah. it, it's kind of like hand loading your own ammunition. It's just you're you're basically uh, trying different weights and different spines on your bow to kind of see what it likes. You shoot it through paper and then just kind of fine fine tune uh, what you know shoots that consistent bullet hole because um, arrow integrity and arrow flight are probably key for um, uh, improving penetration so, uh, on on an animal. So one yeah. last question before we move on to our shout outs here and get into our stuff here though. So you take Chab, Chab pulling back 60, mm -hmm. pounds, yeah. 60 pounds at a different you know, is he going to be able to put an, an arrow with that kind of heavy pip weight on it? Yeah, well, so it's all relative. And and as Dr. Ashby would say in his reports would be, you want to go with the heaviest arrow that you can afford the drop off. Oh, I see. Okay. So all right. it, it, you know, I could go heavier <laughs> if I'm okay with how much drop I'm going to have right. at certain distances. Distance. So what is your drop off right now? Um, from, let's say, I, 20 to 40. From 20 to 40? Yeah. Uh, probably two and, two and a half inches, three inches. Yeah. From 20 to 40? Mm -hmm. All right. So from 40 to 60. Uh, it increases there. Yeah. It's uh, right. probably going to be more like six. six. to eight inches, yeah. Yeah. Still, man, that's legit. That's yeah, but okay, you got to remember also. Uh, I I I ended up increasing my poundage to seventy six pounds too because oh, okay. I didn't want to uh, get that much of a drop and I didn't want to sacrifice too much on the speed. But honestly, like if I do another setup, my backup setup, uh -huh. I would like to actually do it with lesser poundage. I want to try one with sixty five pounds, okay. and then you know, try different spines and try different weights and see what it likes. Oh, and man, then, you guys out there, you people listening to this, stay tuned, man, because I tell you what, it, it, it is a game changer, man, because, again, our goal when we coach all is two holes. We can do that shot placement, number one, 
And we can do that through the down power that we're going to put through on an arrow, man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like I, I was, I, I was about to say that, Joe, the, the, one of the big takeaway of, uh, of the big hunting, it's uh, shot placement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shot yes. placement is really, really, really important. They I mean, are that, tough. And if you don't put it where it needs to be, it doesn't matter how, uh, <laughs> how much penetration you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've said that what, a million times. I, I saw one of y'all's shots hit in the plate. In the plate. Where I know that plate is on that critter. Mm-hmm. And it busted through on the other side and stopped in the leg on the other side. Manano, you did that. You mm-hmm. went through a plate. If y'all, yeah. look, if y'all look yeah, at but picture. I'm not using the the Lewis's setup. Right. I'm using a 500 grams uh, arrow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I I was really close <clears throat> to get two holes. Yeah. But I uh, the the, oh, the <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but look. I, no, you know, his point. His point is still had penetration. <clears throat> you take a you yeah. take a look at Logan. Logan shoots about 55 pounds with his helium. He shoots about 55 to 57, 56 pounds. And he shoots a real heavy full metal jacket arrow, and uh, he shoots a, a heavy broadhead too. Shoots a hundred, a hundred, yeah, he shoots a hundred, hundred grain uh, muzzy trocar. He blew through, Badass. Oh, yeah, he blew through both plates and stick. And he went through the plate on the back side and the plate on the front side, and the front of the broadhead was sticking out that far on the other side of that animal. Right, the animal run about seventy-five yards and piled up. And my picture of him the next morning when we went back in there to, to retrieve him, uh, that sucker was still growling about ten minutes after he shot him. I'm like, we're not going in there messing with him at dark. So we come back in the next next morning and he's dead as a hammer. And that that broadhead, unfortunately, he broke the arrow when he laid over on it. Uh, but that broadhead sticking out the off shoulder out of the plate that far, wow. you know? Awesome, so, yeah, I mean, look, it's about 100% about shot placement, but it's about the pill that you put yeah, on. Absolutely. Too. And look, it, you know, when we talk about the integrity of the arrow, it's so important and so beneficial in so many ways. And I say this because this past weekend I shot through six animals. Um, yeah. I recover all my six arrows and they're ready to be shot again. The, yeah. There is only one arrow that I had to re, uh, re-glue one fletching yeah. and that's it. And then resharpen my broadheads. But yeah, all the broadheads, carbon. huh? You're shooting carbon now. Yes. Yeah. And, but you know, if the spine is right, if it's, if, if you got a good, a good carbon arrow, I'm yeah. shooting the serious, uh, Apollos, and I find those arrows incredibly tough. That's all. And uh, so, I- integrity is important. And yeah, they might be expensive, but here, look, I shot six animals. I still have all my arrows, so I can shoot them again. Yeah, one one season, uh, some years ago, I killed my elk, my antelope, and my deer, all with the same arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Different. I animals. killed three animals this year with one arrow. Yeah. I killed a hog, a deer, and a turkey, all with the same. And didn't, I hate to say this, but I did not resharpen the broadhead. <laughs> Shot him through all three animals. Add to the bone head, son. No, you don't have that benefit with full metal jacket. I use one arrow for per animal. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's right. Uh, I got it. lucky, Manano. But, that was a full metal jacket animal, 
um, if you, it was a if full you have jacket arrow, but it went in yeah. and it stuck in the ground. Yeah, on the that's that. That is the problem. Out. If you if you have a completely pass through, yeah, you can. You will it. be able to shoot it again. If, if you you're lucky, it. lucky that it didn't hit a tree or it didn't hit a rock. Or, or a rock, river. especially where I hunt, because there's a lot of rock. But yeah, you're hunting that river bottom, and it's a lot easier to find uh, your arrow when it sticks in that mud. You know? We can make a whole podcast of all Definitely. this conversation, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, Joe, but you know what? You you know what's the reason that he's pulling a 70, 70 well he says seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he wanted to beat me because my my bow was used <laughs> to be yeah, the nicest bow on camp. <laughs> so he wanted to get Man, a, like no, no, no. a I love how clear you're speaking English. You're saying so you awesome. know, used to be and that's exactly right. It used well, to because I'm I'm an, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an honest guy. I'm, a, I'm an yeah. honest hunter, but yeah, he yeah. went out and he bought a 75 pound uh, yeah, but I put bowl. a couple of extra twists there on the string just to say to you <laughs> that I can pull 76 on that bow, and it's faster than yours. Uh, <laughs> that is for another podcast. Another one to go. Guys, you know what time it is. It's time shout for the Elk Bros. Shout-out. This is just shout-out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. <laughs> and you guys have no clue, but we just edited this puppy because Gilbert did not say a few cities <laughs> yeah. uh, he pulled it goes, what, it goes what, what, what Monano's been doing with some diapers oh, <laughs> they're all kind of you know uh, but, but, I, but I digress <laughs> remember yeah. guys if you want to be a part of our special shout outs just get to your cell phone and take a 10 to 15 second video yourself in landscape view that's this way not that IG mode where everybody does everything like that yeah like Gilbert's holding his right there Bingo. and tell us your name where you're from and include a home of whatever line or something special about your hometown you can send the video through a message on our Elk Bros Instagram or email me at joe at elkbros.com that you have a clip and I'll send you a link so you can throw it in my Dropbox. Come on, y'all. Show your face and celebrate your place. Please. Poet and don't know it. How you like that? Now. <laughs> it's your feet, Joe. They long, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now for our top listening cities and our grinder video shout outs. I'd like to give a warm Elk Bros shout out from this uh, beautiful winter day in Payette, Idaho. Really like what you guys do. Appreciate your content. Great podcast. Great videos. Really like that uh, last video. That was really good. You guys uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep grinding. It's winter time, so we're doing a little trapping. It's a good day on the line, too. Mike Bozarth, man. Mike Bozarth. Yo, Mike. Now. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Dang, Mike, dude, I he got, got had him a fox in his trap, man. I know. Yeah, he I did. wanted to see some more of that, Mike. You might have to send us the video offline, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, man, he, I mean, he he not only says where he's from, he goes out and he does it while he's doing it, man. That's, yeah. that's way cool. Definitely. Joe, why don't you lead us off with our top listening cities, brother? This week's top listening city is located between the Arkansas Delta and the Arkansas Timberlands and is home to the annual Star Days, D-A-Z-E, festival that draws people from all over southwestern Arkansas. It was the setting for 1992 movie thriller, 
One False Move, starring Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton, and none other than Star City, Arkansas. Yeah. The Razorback Nation in the house. My daughter's up there in the great state of Arkansas going to college, guys. Oh, really, huh? Yeah, she's in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Arkadelphia. Way cool for Star City to be in the house. Next up, Joe, located 28 miles north of H-Town. That's Houston for you people that don't know the phonetic of H-Town. In a heavily wooded area, the city is divided into 10 separate villages, each subdivided into neighborhoods. Each village features varying anemones and comprise 148 parks and 220 miles of hiking and biking trails. Water taxis, known as waterway cruisers, cruisers, traveled along the nearby waterways before Hurricane Harvey trashed the system in 2017. In none other, and I can literally throw a baseball and be there, in none other than the Woodlands, Texas, my hometown right here. Boom. You guys are all on top of each other. Springs, Woodlands. Yeah. All that. I'm serious. I can actually take a baseball, <laughs> throw it straight south of me, and I'll be right in the woodlands. If I throw it to the east of me, I'm going to be in Tomball. And if I throw it to the west of me, I'm going to be in Spring. How There's about that? Window. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's a geographical oddity. So the waterway <laughs> cruisers, man, the, they disappear? They're, they're not back? Yeah, no. They, they you know, it, it wrecked the... Uh, the waterway there in the woodlands and i really don't know i don't go down to the woodlands mall much and check on it but i think they have that ferry open where you can go around the woodlands mall in that little uh boat but right now it's because of covid they got it all shut down joe all right i got you man I, I, it's yeah. a beautiful place now we went to conroe and went down to woodlands yeah. uh we were going to spring but they told us to stay out of that part of town so <laughs> you're up (laughs) next up this city is bordered on the north east and the southeast by the city of south haven mississippi and is 15 miles from downtown memphis tennessee the elvis ranch a 154.5 Acre Ranch, owned by Elvis Presley during the last decade of his life, is located here. The Mississippi River changed course in the 18th century, leaving a stranded body of water in the shape of a cow horn, giving the city its name, Horn Lake, Mississippi. Horn Lake, Mississippi. Absolutely. Up next. This top listening city got his its name from the Spanish name for fine gold. It is the major city within the Nez Perce in the reservation. It is a home to Cano Camp, where the Lewis and Clark expedition built new dugout canoes. It's canoes, bro. Canoes. Canoes. Uh-huh. Canoes. And in 1805, embarked downstream to the Pacific Ocean. The Door Shark Dam, the third largest dam in the United States, is located right here in Orofino, Idaho. Orofino, Idaho. Uh, Idaho. Idaho back in the house, Joe. Them, east, them West Coast, north, Northwest Coast guys got to show up. Oh, man. I, 
and uh, we have uh, so many people up in Idaho. Uh, we got some good friends happening up there. You know, Jim Western Hutzman. Hey, Jim, what's up? Shout out, man. He's yeah. up there in that part of the country. And I'm trying to figure out where that Dorshak Dam is, man, because I know up in that part of the country they have like one of the deepest lakes. It's just incredibly deep wow. up there. So you know, I see pictures on Instagram too, Joe, from a place called Broadmouth Canyon. Oh my God! At the size of the elk they grow there, and I know I have never in my life seen these brutes. I mean, it's like looking at something out of a dadgum horror film. These elk are that big. I'd be dadgum scared to go on with them brutes, dude. There's five hundred inch bulls and stuff living on that place, man. Idaho has raised its prices, you know, uh, in order to hunt over there. Um, and they're one of the places that you can pick up OTC tags, but they kind of raise those prices. And so I've been reading a lot of these comments on social media about, I don't know why they raise the price. You know, the elk aren't worth it. They're not that big. They're going to have this hmm. and that. And and I'm starting to do some research because I think it's the Idahoans that are putting all those remarks out there. And they might be <laughs> trying to keep everybody out, you know, yeah. Yeah. giant bulls in that country, yeah. buddy. Don't come here, man. Go check out Broadmouth Canyon, guys. Sounds like somebody I knew once. All right, Luis, you're up. All right. This city is the capital and the most populous city in Tennessee and home to Vanderbilt University. It is the home to the Country Music Hall of Fame and the legendary country music venues that include the Grand Ole Opry House. Home to the famous Grand Ole Opry stage and radio show. This city was named for Francis Nash, a general of the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Nashville Tennessee, the home of the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> Grand Old Opry, man. You see, we, I know Luis's been watching Oprah. <laughs> I said Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Yeah. Got it, bro. How do you spell that just like Oprah? Hey, at least you won't have to speed mine up to 25% like you would have to with Mananos. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You guys are way too much fun. All right, let's get with it. Tonight's topic. So, guys, like we say all the time, and we're going to add a little bit to the list so that you know what's going on. The goal of the Elk Preseason Guide Series that you are listening to is going to be several episodes is to give you our tips, our perspectives, how we do it to get things rolling in the right direction and then help you have a plan, the what, when, where, why, and how to hunt elk this year. Tonight, we're going to hit the when part of it. We've already done episodes 100 and 102 the one the first part and the second part tonight is part three episode 103 is the best week to hunt elk in 2021 matching your needs and goals then next week episode part four is going to be increased conditioning increased opportunities at part five is going to be situational prep and scenario training ideas see it do it be it Part six is going to be eight key mindset components to successful elk hunting. So we're going to give you those mindset components now in the preseason that you're going to be working on. And part seven is learning to paint with your elk calling. <laughs> How do you like that? I mean, old Bob learning Ross would love paint. that, man. We're going to do a lot of happy accidents with our call. You may want to explain before listeners go into in, in 
grab their diaphragm and start dipping in paint and stuff like that, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't do that, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the lineup we love our buddy, Brandon. Like. <laughs> that's what the lineup looks like. Y'all sound good? So far, yeah, good. it sounds really good, good brother. Yeah, so part three tonight. So what we're doing tonight is best weeks to hunt elk in 2021. Guys with application deadlines right around the corner. And Gilbert said it right at the beginning. In fact, let me, I'm going to pull up and while I'm talking about this, I'm going to pull up something so that you can kind of get an idea. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see some of the dates that we have going on. So you take a look at this because, man, I'm working on a laptop tonight, man, and it's, like, so crowded to be able to see all this stuff. So, Welcome um, to my world, brother. Yeah. <laughs> take a look at these deadlines. Like Gilbert said, uh, February 1st, Wyoming, non-resident. We have to get non-residents in early, early, and you don't get the results till May, whereas the residents are further down the line. They don't put theirs in until june 1st and they get results 16 days later so but then you have arizona coming up and then march 4th right away utah um new mexico on the 17th north dakota is coming out uh right there at the end of march april 1st montana is their uh draw application deadline on the 6th is colorado so i I want y'all to pay attention to some of these because on the 30th is kentucky and Kentucky, there's two states on here now that you can apply to hunt elk in. I think it's just so awesome. That's Kentucky and Pennsylvania. The old cat killer. I don't know if he's putting in for that puppy yet, man. He ought to. But get this. You can put in for their lottery. Now, I think they gave out like about 140-something, and I'm thinking – uh, I hope I don't get them wrong. It's either between Pennsylvania and Kentucky, but I'm thinking Kentucky was like 142, 150-something archery licenses. 10% of those went to out-of-state applications. So 14. you're talking about 14, right? Mm-hmm. 14 tags. But for you to be in that lottery is only, uh, I think it's like 10 bucks. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Yeah. So how cool is that that you can be in that lottery for ten bucks, have a chance to draw and hunt and I think the success rate in Pennsylvania for the archery tag was something like ninety eight percent. Ooh. Yeah, it was like huge phenomenal. So yeah. and so I have the seasons on here too. Both of these hunt seasons um and the draw deadlines will be in the notes. On our, uh, if you go to our podcast notes, wherever you're at, I'll have a link there so that you can download this if you want to, along with our hunt calendars that we're going to be sharing as well. So um, I want to make sure that you know that you can find those and that we're going to be uh, talking about those different seasons as we go and as they come and as those deadlines happen. So we'll constantly try to remind everybody, like, for example, Luis. What did we have to remind everybody that uh, wants to hunt New Mexico that hunted elk last year? Yeah, we need to make sure that uh, you fill out your harvest surveys. Yeah. Why are y'all saying the, that, man? The, <laughs> that just keeps everybody I, I always do Luis's <laughs> harvest I report. To, I got to talk to you guys offline, man. 
Yeah. I, I, Luis, you were supposed to say go to Idaho. Yeah, go to Idaho. <laughs> I didn't. I just said Harvest Report. I know, man. <laughs> I'm trying to help you boys. So, We're drawing against I did it, all of I did it, them. which I did today, by the way. Oh, good. All done, man. So with application deadlines, guys, around the corner, we're getting all kinds of emails. I've got people sending texts with questions on the best week to hunt elk this coming fall for certain hunts, months, or seasons, right? So yeah. when they call and ask me, the first thing I tell them is that depends. Yeah. Like, like a good lawyer. Yeah, what's your goal? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, you want to go to prison or you want to go home? <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, that depends on a lot of things. It depends on the person's goals, yeah. what their expectations, what their schedule is, what their knowledge and experience is, and some of the natural conditions or factors that could affect that hunt. You know, we talk about moon phase, we talk about heat, we talk about rainy season, we talk about snow, you know, cold and stuff like that. So what I want people to understand is, you know, let's break that down a little bit. Like, for example, your goals. Um, if you want to know what the best week is, are your goals, and, and this happens, like for me, I go out to go elk hunting, my goal is I'm going to bring home an elk, right? But there's guys out there that are first-timers that they're just like, I just want to learn. I've, we've had people that say, Joe, man, we'll come to y'all's camp. We'll pack. We'll cook. We'll do whatever we want. We just want to learn some of the stuff that you're doing. They want to gain experience, or do they want to have a we shot? Did, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did do that, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah, and, and we had a buddy that had an opportunity to do that, but he didn't want to so uh or do you want uh, or do you want to harvest man is that what your goal is that you're going to harvest okay your expectations what are your expectations are they to see an elk are they to hear the bugles uh, is your expectation to call in a bull just to have an encounter to have multiple in encounters so a lot of times those goals and expectations that you have are going to be based on certain things they're going to be based on your experience factor. Because if you're a first timer, it's going to be some of those that you were talking about. Yeah, we'll come to camp and we'll we'll cook, we'll do whatever, right? Yeah. Um, if if your experience is like one to three years with no encounters or three to five years with encounters or some success and possibly a harvest, or are you a five to ten year vet with a good grasp on elk hunting, or are you a ten plus vet with multiple harvests and a solid skill set. So the experience factor of those people is going to help determine the best times for them to hunt. Because I have news for you guys. When we go down, and what we're going to do for you all here in a few minutes is we're going to pull up the calendars. We're going to show you the calendars for next year connected with the moon phase. And we're going to talk about what I call different hunter configurations different whether they're a first time or what their experience level is whether they're resident non-resident what time of year it is these different things and then we're going to give you some scenarios of what we think and why are possible best weeks okay so um and and we're going to talk about it, you know because if you're a resident or non-resident that changes things because it changes opportunities yeah. you know if we were joe if we were to say for for instance the first configuration you're non-resident 
your first time hunter, um, you have to drop camp and you only have seven days for archery. Huh? Yes. Let's roll with that scenario. What okay. would you think? So, so let's do this. So we're going to take your scenario, hold on to that thought, okay? And we're going to use the Colorado calendar for this year. Guys, I'm going to show this to you. And all of us are going to look at this at the same time. Yep. All right? And we're going to take a look. And let me explain what's happening here. Take a look at the Colorado calendar. All right? Uh, What was that configuration again, Luis? So, again, you're non-resident. Uh-huh. Kind of like I would be. Right. Say first-timers. Okay. So experience level basically none, right? Yeah. Yeah, Manano. Uh, then drop, you got a drop camp and you have seven days for archery. So a drop camp means somebody, you guys have hired somebody to take you way back in five, seven, eight miles, drop you back there, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look. And, and, and I'm going to explain to everybody what they're looking at here in the calendar. If you take a look at it, what you're doing is you're seeing moon phase. All right. So if you take a look at September 1st there, you can see that you have almost, I mean, you're coming out of a full moon going into a new moon, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. So by, oh, pretty close, I mean, the full moon or the new moon, uh, I'm sorry, the full, the new moon, the completely dark one will be on September 7th. Now, yeah. it, that means that you're pretty much from the first till, gosh, I don't know, I would even say in all the way until about the 14th. And and, and real quick, Joe, mm-hmm. out of ignorance, and uh, just for clarification for everybody mm-hmm. watching this, right. um, it's safe to say that whether it's Colorado or New Mexico or, you know, all this uh, different, the, the moon behavior is, is pretty much going to be the same. Sure. Moon behavior moon is face. the same. Moon the face. Thing, the thing that changes from state to state. And that's why we're going to talk so it's, much. About it's the days in which you can hunt. But absolutely. the moon phase is, is going to be the same for all yep. those days. And, and there's a couple of unique things, and there's some things that aren't unique. So when we look at this calendar, let's talk about what's not, what's not going to be unique to every state. Right. Well, number one, like you said, is going to be the moon phase, right? Number two, take a look at that red moon. The reason that's red on the 22nd is that's the equinox, equinox. right? Right. So why are we concerned about that? Because that's the peak of the rut. Yeah. Yeah. So generally they're looking at, you know, anytime seven, 10 days before that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it could even be a little bit early depending on some of the, the cows and stuff. But generally seven days before, seven days after, generally is supposed to be when most of those cows are going to come into estrus. Generally, because there are some that come in earlier, there mm-hmm. are some that come in later. And we're going to talk about some things called uh, multiple estrus cycles here in a and, little And bit. we've talked about this in other podcasts, Joe, but just yes, again, to clarify, yep. um, you know, is it possible to have a cow come in estrus the 2nd of September? Absolutely. Yeah, heck yeah. There you go. Heck yeah. So, yeah, I just want to point that out. Yep, they sure yeah. are. And, and a lot of that has to do with different reasons and things that those animals, critters, know that we don't uh, some other things that aren't going to change no matter what state is your uh, labor day weekend so that is that weekend of the fourth fifth and sixth okay so 
The reason I always mark that is, and we're going to talk about in the configurations, a lot of guys, if they have limited days that they can take off to hunt, a lot of people are going to use that Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Or if they only have a weekend, they're going to use that Labor Day weekend. Okay, they're going to go in on Friday. They're going to come out on Monday night, right? So I like to always mark that because there is a lot of traffic moving around on that Labor Day weekend, period, right? Uh, it's, it's just natural. Now, one thing, and let me see if there's anything else that would not be unique. No, everything else is pretty much the same. So here's what has changed, for example, things that are only for Colorado. Number one, their season is from the 2nd to the 30th. That's different than here in New Mexico, and that is one season. So if you are, if you have a, a tag, an archery tag in Colorado, that means you can hunt any time between the 2nd and the 30th. You could hunt the whole time. You wow. could split it. You can do wow. whatever you want. Plus, wow. if, you're a, if you have an OTC tag, over-the-counter tag, you can hunt any OTC unit in Colorado with that tag. So that means that you could hunt that first part of the season. Maybe you want to hunt that Labor Day weekend in one part, and then you want to go someplace else for another part. Now, limited entry is different. That limited entry are tags that are drawn for. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's where it changed. Now, here's another thing unique, <laughs> unbelievably unique to Colorado, is if you look at that odd color in the middle of the archery season from the 11th to the 19th, the reason it's an odd color is because it is a odd thing to me. Uh, Put the muzzleloader season in there. Muzzleloader season right in the middle of the archery season. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Um, buyer beware is if you're out there with uh, uh, an elk decoy, um, you better have plenty of orange on it, and I would not recommend it. Uh, I would recommend having a, an orange hat on. And you better be careful, you know, when you're calling. I, I think it, I think this, I think it's horrible, man, to have that. I, it just, uh, it, it make it makes me shiver to be out in the woods knowing that there's some lead slinging going on out there when I'm calling out. So, yeah, uh, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but that's, <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel about it. Especially on it. private, I mean, on public land for sure. Yeah. And that's yeah. nine good days too. That's really sad. good days. It, it's it's right, you know. It's <clears throat> I think it's prime time. Actually, yeah, it is one hundred percent prime time. I, I think is it? This is the you, from the eleventh until through the nineteenth that you're talking yeah. about. Correct. Yeah. And so if you look, that it's coming out of a dark moon, and it's going uh, it's going back to a full moon that's happening yeah. on the what the twentieth uh, is yeah. the full moon now. Here's something else I want to throw to people out there, too, because a lot of people go, well, why is that good? Because it has a full moon. Um, l- let me tell you, I don't know, instead of me talking, um, how do how do you guys feel about a full moon in the Arctic? I don't care if it's a full moon, a half moon, a quarter moon. I want to be there. And it, it doesn't matter to me, Joe. Moon phase absolutely means nothing to me when I'm hunting elk. I mean, it just doesn't. I, the matter of fact is, is I get to hunt elk when I'm off. and It, it doesn't matter. We're going to try to set it up the best we can. But if I got to hunt during a full moon, believe me, you, 
we know how to get it done. There's been wow. many times that we've yes. hunted in a full moon and figured it out. I mean, the elk don't care. They just well, change their habits a little bit. Right. So you just have to change yours. The, the, the point is that it's not like because there's a full moon, the elk are going to go and get on a plane and go somewhere else. And <laughs> yeah, they're still going to be there, man. They're, they're well, they, out, they ain't going they're nowhere. They're out there in the woods yeah, somewhere. They they just the like moonlight. you said, their habit is a little different, yeah. and you just got to play smart. And Guys, use that on. as an excuse, man. Don't use that as excuse. Use it as to your advantage. No, I, I, yeah, it's it's. I agree. I mean, just it's good to know the moon faces, so you know, what you know what to do about it. Have a plan. Animals right. are more active during the full moon. I mean, it's it's proof. They're just more active. They're gonna be more active during the midday. Um, I'm telling you, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay, are they gonna feed all night? Yeah, good. They, they like to feed at night, anyhow. They're going to feed all night and a half moon, you know. So at, at the end of the day, moon phase really doesn't bother me, Joe. If you can get out there and make a sound and t speak the language, get around them, you're going to have success. I'm telling you. So you guys that can only get off four or five days, don't let that moon scare you. Get off, get in there and get it done, man. Y'all can do it. Well, Chad, you got 30-some years of dealing with moon phases. Yeah. What do you think about it? Uh, I think uh, I, I agree somewhat with uh, Gilbert and Louise, uh, but uh, you know I, I actually would prefer the 12th through the 18th if it was up to me, because yep. uh, you know they're uh, they're not feeding as much at night. And uh, so, now that, uh, the 12th through the 18th, that's a that's a, a pretty bright. They're coming out. Oh, is that a bright? Yeah, yeah. that's bright. At, yeah, looking at it. Differently, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. looking at optic. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. looking at a negative. Yeah. <laughs> purple. Purple is white. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Purple is white. Purple. Purple is white. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I was looking at the opposite yeah. way. So that that's yeah. why I'm saying is is is, you know, that time there is a prime time. One hundred percent. But but yet there's a, a bright moon phase coming into it, Chad. So, you know, uh, you would re you were saying you'd rather have the dark one. Would you rather have that time? Would you rather have that time frame from the 11th to the 19th, Chav? Or would you rather have the dark moon on the beginning of the hunt? Uh, probably the dark moon at the beginning of the hunt. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I think they'll... I think. I, think I like the beginning of the hunt anyway. Yeah, yeah they'll go into the bedroom uh, a little bit later because uh, they may not have fed as much. But uh, I also prefer earlier in the season... So you know, why, they're not why do you think that we've been avoiding the earlier in the last, well, last year and possibly this year? Well, I think it's been, like you said, Labor Day weekend and, yeah. and just yeah. uh, getting people uh, up to camp. Mm -hmm. But I know opening day, opening day is really, really great because they're not as alert. And I think they're more susceptible to calling, even though there's not a rut going on. Right. Because because uh, they're still uh, very curious. They're curious and uh, they're uh, they're a type of uh, animal that's very social. So yeah. they'll answer a call call. Uh, they're also trying to they do a lot of uh, location bugling. Mm -hmm. And even a, even that early in the season, uh, some of the younger bulls are trying to collect a harem. Yeah. But the big, but the big bulls are still hanging around. You know, letting them do it, and they'll come in silent too. Yeah. yeah. So there's so, a lot of. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, so the the thing that I want to tell people though too is like those first 
four days coming out when the moon's getting bright out of the dark phase. I, I pretty much, because they're already kind of still in a dark moon habit, that's just like the first three days um, of the dark phase coming out of the full moon. They're in kind of a full moon habit. Do you follow me? It's kind of like, you know, if we've been hunting and we've been getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning for eight days straight and we get home, guess what? We wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, mm. right? Because your body just gets locked into that a little bit until you make that adjustment. I think the elk do the same thing. I think coming out of a full moon phase that they still have that kind of habit until the moon really starts to change that form. And I think coming out of a, a dark moon phase, I think the first three days out of that dark moon phase, whether or not that moon is coming up a little bit brighter and brighter, they're still in that same mode. But, you know, I'm I'm in the school, too, that what I like about the full moon, man, is it seems to me that it's way easier to locate, to night bugle and locate them critters in that full moon because they're just, they like to go off in that full moon, man. And it's, mm-hmm. it's easier to put them to bed to be out there and then and know and be on them first thing in the morning and you know it it, bonus yeah yeah so in in luis your configuration was non-resident drop camp no experience right Mm -hmm. um seven days archery seven days archery so if i was if i was a new and and so we're going to use colorado here because uh, let's say these people are hunting Colorado and they're being drop camped back there someplace in the wilderness. And I tell you what, if I have zero experience, if I have zero experience and I'm not going to have anybody to show I don't know a whole lot about elk. Remember that half the battle of killing an elk is finding an elk. And if you mm-hmm. have very little experience and you're in a drop camp where you're now not going to be able to make a whole lot of adjustments because you're there. You're mm-hmm. in that drop camp, right? And no four-wheeler, none of that. I mean, it's it's patas. You're, you're yeah. on your feet, and that's you're pretty much feet. it, right? So yeah. me, if, if any of you guys are listening, they're in that situation, I would tell you go in the last seven days of the hunt. Last seven days of the hunt. I agree. And... Why would you do that, Gilbert? They're going to be a lot more vocal. You're going yeah. to be able to find them. That first part of the hunt, you and I both know, man. They don't they don't talk a whole lot. They come in silent, and you know, if you're really good, you might get one to answer. You know, I love the first part of the hunt because there's number one, there's a few less people, and the elk haven't been molested. They haven't been under pressure, but. If I'm doing exactly what Luis says, I want to be around him and hear him sounding off where I can make a plan. I mean, I, I absolutely don't have any experience. Man, I'd, I'd hate to have a guy, you know, go four or five days and not hear an elk. And uh, he's just going to gonna sleep in, <laughs> you know, because he, he's just so wore out, you know. Joe, uh, if I may uh, speak a little bit about the moon phase, I would rather hunt during the dark uh, phase of the moon because uh-huh. – uh, they they move a lot with the moon is uh, bright mm-hmm. because they can see more predators. That's the real reason, I guess. At least in my country, they they can see uh, they can have a better vision, night vision, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why they pro- they probably you you cut 
cut them up out. I mean, in the morning, do, walking in the morning with strange uh, pattern because they they are used to walk during the night because they can see better. Right. And the reason that I love to hunt during the uh, dark uh, moon phase is because they will have a pattern and they they are they are forced to move during the day. They 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 might be able to to walk. To, they, they, they might walk during the night, but not as much as as um, during during the uh, bright moon. You know, Manano, if we were talking about, and you take a look now in October, take a look October, first rifle, then November, second rifle, and then uh, third rifle. And this is for you all rifle hunters out there. If we were talking about the rifle hunt, I'm right with you, dude. I'm yeah. like... Uh, I definitely want to be on the dark end of, because as a rifle hunter, I'm going to make my living off those animals being out in the open. The parks. You yeah. know? Yeah, and in those parks and stuff. And, you know, when you have bright moon, and Gilbert's right, they're not going to spend as much time. They're going to feed all night. They're going to be in the trees earlier. Early. They're going to get up to those bedroom earlier. They're going to do stuff during the midday, but they're going yeah, to Yeah, which are areas that you can but actually you get into they, better with archery. With the bow, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I follow what do you're you saying. Think, do you think they are more vocal? They speak more uh, when, I mean, they speak more because of the moon phase or because the rod is coming, is getting close? No, I, 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 I think rod. it happens with the, the moon during the rut. Yeah. So... It just mean, they coincide because of what's going on. Right. That, that's my guess. I mean, the rod is, is coming. Yeah. In, yeah, I, and they gather in places where there's more cows, so there's a whole lot more posturing going on. Uh, other bulls are sounding off from far off. I mean, well, it's a party. Cool. They, you know, they don't have the sun beating down on them. Yeah. It, it, it nice it and cool. And stuff at night. But here, here, here's what I've seen happen, Manano, is that I have during the time of year that you can take the same week, one week, full moon, one week, not a full moon, that same time of year. Let's say it's five days before the 20th of September. All right. And I've been where I have night bugled. I've been out there three, four hours, a couple of times before daylight and done some night bugling and nothing. It's like nothing, nothing, nothing. But, man, as soon as we get a little bit of gray light, where I thought there was nothing, all of a sudden, bulls start bugling. Yeah, it's because like, they feel, I, I think they feel better, more comfortable, you they, know. In that gray light, they're seeing a little vocal, bit better, like you did. Like, because like, of predators. Like, right. I, I think it's because of predators. So I, that, that could be a, a theory to prove right there, and it, it makes sense. But I'm just telling you from experience what I've seen. Whereas I've gone out there in a full moon phase, <laughs> and they friggin' pop off, man. So it's yeah. been easier for me to locate them in that same week with a full moon during the dark. And the, here's what I like about that is that's when most hunters aren't out there doing any work. Most yeah. of them are in bed. Yeah. So I'm able to locate animals in the dark during that phase. And, and now, don't get me wrong, I've located them in the dark phase too, but mostly that's been... After it's gotten dark, or, and you still have that twilight going on, uh, after it's got dark and most people are in camp already, the, the, the first part of the night when you're starting to go back to camp, whereas, you know, the other one, the full moon phase, depending on when that moon rises and sets, 
Sometimes we've gotten up at three o'clock in the morning. It's just like daylight out there, right? Uh, and that's perfect mm-hmm. for me. I, so, I Joe, it. are you saying you'd pick the twenty-third through the thirtieth for these guys? Somebody. Yeah. So, if I was somebody that had no experience and I had trouble finding out, and they're going to have trouble finding out, I would do it as late as possible for the exact reason you said. Number one, those bulls are are cowed up. They're going to be rutting. There's going to be cows coming into estrus, which are going to set other bulls off. You're going to have multiple bulls bugling, so Not it's going to be a lot easier to find them. And plus, if I'm be right on the equinox, if I'm a new hunter, you think I'm worried about getting a herd bull? I just want yeah. to get a dag of milk, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you find a rut going on, and guys, remember, a rut is not a it's not a statewide occurrence. It's not a regional occurrence. It's a herd occurrence. It, it, it can happen in this canyon when a cow comes in heat. Yeah. It could happen Ooh. over the next ridge when a cow comes in heat. It yeah. happens when cows come in heat. That creates the rut that goes right. on, right? So uh, if there is a rut going on, it's going to attract bulls that want to be able to breed a hot cow, which gives you a chance who cares if you bring in the herd bull bring in a bull and shoot that puppy yeah right or at least have some encounters so that if it's your first time man you get to have an experience and get yourself addicted and especially if you're in a drop camp and here's the other thing i would recommend to anybody in a drop camp especially if you're in this full moon phase in that last part through that 30th is take with you a small um uh either pack tent uh, a light uh um, tent that you can take with a sleeping bag, ground pad, go out at night, locate those elk, bed down off to their downwind side where they can't smell you, uh, be with them, stay with them all night long, get up and go hunt them in the morning, man. I wouldn't go back to camp. I'd camp right out there. I'd take yeah. me some chow. I'd take me a little bivy. And, man, I'm I'm playing predator, man. I'm after that group. Joe, would uh Good Would stuff. that advice change any if you were to say, okay, the same scenario, but you're a resident? So if I'm a resident, I live in the elk state. I probably am hunting an area that I, uh, and again, I'll say we're saying first time or no experience, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, you have at least most likely come across elk. You probably know because you're a resident where some of those elk might be you might have even though you don't have the elk hunting experience i imagine you have elk exposure so then it can change things a little bit with that um i would say any first time any first time go when they're the most vocal right have an experience man have some encounters because until you first timer maximize the encounters absolutely you know and, and so let's let's change that let's take that exact same thing and say it's a person that is a 10-year vet 15-year vet that's had multiple kills on their side that knows how to call that that understands elk behavior right so the the reason that these guys with no experience have to maximize when elk are talking is because they don't know how to talk themselves. They don't know how to find elk. They're not sure exactly where those elk are going to be, so they need help by the animals. The more experience you have, 
the more your ability to change and select accordingly to other advantages like what we do. Would you say, Joe, that if you're first-timer, but you're going guided, mm -hmm. would no that question. then make you consider, okay, um, maybe I'm not so forced into the later part of the season. Uh, maybe uh, you got a bit more flexibility if you got a good guide that knows how to you know, create those opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that's a great question because again, now you got to think about what's your expectation. You know, have you been watching all the YouTube videos and you want a bull come and screaming or to hear him screaming all multiple right. bulls? You know, it just depends your expectation. If you yeah. want to have faith in a guidance and know that a guide's going to put you on an animal to have a shot opportunity, then it you you depend on whatever that person because they change the game for you they have the experience it's kind of yeah. like our situation right? right i right. mean we we are hunting early and we're getting elk to bugle yeah. um we have some come in silent but we're having encounters mm -hmm. i mean uh our encounters manano luis you guys have had two years in a row where you guys kill on I think the second day of the hunt yeah. every year, yeah. early. On early season. Mm -hmm. That's because Joe, they have such good guides finding them bulls before they go out, man. That's right. That's Absolutely right. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you and I were out there first, but but we knew the area where they were going. Yeah, be. we didn't even hunt. Where we just had to. We just had to cut the ropes and then shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> we had them tied up, Joe. Well, I'm 100 in in uh, in agreement with Luis. Having a guy that can call for you is a game changer. Okay, uh, so when huge. we're archery hunting, absolutely, right. man. Calling is daggum key. So, yes. uh, and and but understand this too. Everybody thinks that calling is about the response being another bugle coming at you, and that's mm -hmm. not always the case. Right. All kinds of responses. Speaking I've had language. bulls that have come in that never bugled. All they did was bull call. They just bull you. That's yep. it. And that have come in. I've had them come in silent, you know, when that happens. And, yep. Manano, I think your bull last year, you know, we got them to sound off early, but after yes. we moved in. And he got quiet. And then, quiet. Uh, yeah, and, he, and then he came in. He bugled a couple of times, and then he cow calls uh, right. one time. Mm -hmm. And he stopped behind a big tree. Well, it wasn't a big uh, big tree, but he stopped like 25, 30 yards beha behind a tree. And I was hoping, Joe, please, just cow call. <laughs> and then you go, yeah, and, and he walks. <laughs> but but he never made a sound. He just he just no 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 no. After he was I don't know fifty yards, fifty sixty oh, yards, he got quiet. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. And then, then you go to a certain scenario where Joe calls a bull from a half a mile off, and the bull comes. Half a mile. I mean, we heard this bull. Joe goes. Hmm, I wonder about that. <laughs> And then the so, next time he bugles, he's a quarter mile. <laughs> guys, when we get to that section on, yeah. you know, paint with your calls, yeah. uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk exactly about how to do that, man. So that's going to be I, 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 Diving back into this, Joe, I think huh? 
I think, you know, to Luis's credit, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It wouldn't matter to me about moon phase. It would matter to me about where I'm at when that equinox. That last seven days would be paramount for me. Right. Especially if you if you want to have experiences, man. I mean, mm. and, and here out, you know. And I, I'm telling you guys, if you can afford it and, and you can have a guide in camp that and you're a first timer, you have a guide in camp that can call, man, I'd do it. Cause I'm it's just gonna change the game for you. Not saying that you can't do it yourself with a hoochie mama or something like that, but man, it's it's hard, man. It's super hard when you don't have the experience. Yeah, but if you and, and you're right, but man, there's so many things now to flatten that learning curve. And yep. yes. I mean, you can go to our academy, you can go to uh, Paul Medell's stuff, you can go, mm-hmm. you can go online and listen. And there's so many people. I mean, you, there's so many people showing you how to use a diaphragm call. Yep. And that's why we're doing this preseason thing now. And, and we've right. heard this several times. You got to learn to call. And there's some things, basic calls that you can do that are going to help you a ton. Sure. You know, Gilbert said, right. There's been a lot of people called in calls with a hoochie mama. Well, I got news for you. Hoochie mama goes, yeah, 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 right? Well, yeah. you can not only learn to go, yeah, but since you have a diaphragm call, you can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can change it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the cool thing. You don't have to know a lot, but you can know enough to help your situation. Okay. You what bet. about any other configurations, man? Uh, very experienced guy, ten-year guy. Um, you know, he's had multiple kills under his belt. He's looking to kill him a herd bull. So if he's looking to kill him a herd bull, there's two different thoughts on this. Some people think they're going to go that last seven days, find that bull that is screaming like that, and all they're going to do is sneak in on. They're not going to say a thing. They're going to sneak in on and try to mm-hmm. take. Okay. And there's a lot of guys real successful about that um, and, and getting that done. I mean, it putting the Mohican sneaking is a lot of yes. fun, and you can do that. Uh, I like, again, I like it early before they are cowed up. Yeah. So the Me only too. problem I'm finding here is, you know, like if we take a look at this, our favorite time usually has been from like the 2nd to the 11th, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right yep. about in there. But because of that Labor Day weekend, uh, I'm going to change things. And I have found, how many hunts has it been on our last two days when all of a sudden things started to light up, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I still think that that time of that muzzleloader hunt is prime time. Oof. Yes. And look, I'm going to tell you, that first week in October is going to be lights out. Oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal, man. I you know Colorado guys, uh, I, if I were y'all, I would push for this proposal. <laughs> I would put muzzleloader hunt on the first part of that, yeah, and then I would uh, increase uh, uh, the archery hunt uh, the next nine days into into October. October, yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. put the whole dang mu- uh, 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 muzzleloader season from the first of October to the ninth, and then be done or, or to the 11th and be done with it yeah you know? yeah there's uh and i because you can still like, hunt with your bow and at that time man it's really good mm-hmm. all right man um so you were talking about the experienced one and let's see i thought we had uh and now i'm going to do this too i'm going to stop sharing this and let's show no let's show new mexico all right mm-hmm. let's uh let's show the new mexico map 
and see how things are different from a different state. Okay, so here's New Mexico. And take a look at how this is different as to the way the rifle hunts. You know, you had those rifle hunts that were going into um, uh, into November on uh, on the uh, on the Colorado side. And I tell you guys that uh, um, rifle hunters there, man, it, the the earliest in October is good, and then the latest in November. <laughs> I mean, the later you can get when snow is flying and things change. That's something that I like to do. But take a look here in, in New Mexico. You know, you can see the same thing. We're starting on the 1st of September, and you have one hunt. That's that red area that goes until the 14th. They split it in two. And then you have from the 15th to the 24th. So basically, you've got two things happening. Either you're right around that equinox or you're that early part of the season. And we have hunted both ends of that, had success on both sides of that. Uh, when we've done it, but uh, personally, for me, you know, uh, the the earlier on there, you know, better for me. Uh, I'm not worried about hearing a whole bunch of screaming elk. I'm I'm worried about just killing one, and I think that's I, like Chab said. What'd you say, Chab? Earlier, there what? <laughs> you mean not being alert? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Another thing too, you know, if you know the area or if you've done your scouting, uh, you can still pattern them at that point a little bit. But once people start coming in, they change their pattern up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're easier to find if you, if you know the area. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too will have, uh, depending on how, if it's been real dry or been a wet, real wet year too, Joe. You right. Know? They're going right. to be around that. We've said this a thousand times. Those elk are slaves to their bellies, and they got to have water. So, I mean, if you've got a real dry year, you know exactly what you need to be doing, you know. Right. So, oh, so let's do this. Let's talk about this configuration. Let's say it's a, a resident, an experienced resident that's using a mobile camp, can even go home even possibly, and all mm -hmm. they have is weekends. All right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you take a look at this and all you had, uh, let's take a look at the archery first. If all you had was the weekends to be able to hunt, well, or you can get one day off. For the archery season, it's going to be when? Yeah, I'm uh, going that first week. 11th. You're going to do it when? Wouldn't it be the 11th? You don't want to go Labor Day. Well, and that's yeah, I get free going. days. Yeah, I get three <laughs> I get, days to hunt. Get free days. So, yeah, so now there's two schools of thought here, right? Luis, why are you saying the 11th? Because you don't want to go when everybody's going, right? Right. But you're only going to get two days. Right. The other way, I can get four. Yeah. So you got some deciding to do there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it, well, it, but if you only, regardless, if you only have two days, say you don't you don't get that additional because it's really just one extra day mm -hmm. you're getting right you're just getting that one extra day which is a monday right so yeah. for one extra day would you rather go on labor day weekend or would you rather go the next weekend that's a good question man um i want me, that extra day i me i know uh traditionally uh you know looking at at this particular calendar you get a lot of hunters during the Labor Day weekend, and like the 8th, 9th, and 10th, it seems like 
the animals go back to their original patterns and aren't as alert for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they realize, well, all these trucks just drove off. <laughs> they, have the, they have the same calendar. They look at it every day. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it. it really you know, I can hunt, but if you can hunt weekends and you can hunt, you can hunt the three days. I mean, of New Mexico, you can hunt those three days and then the next two. Right. The 11th and 12th. Yeah, it's it, and you know, it's picking your poison sometimes. Right. You know, uh, if you have a honey hole someplace that you don't think uh, the weekend warriors on Labor Day are going to find it, because a lot of those people are going to drive in with their trailers and not going to hunt too far, and uh, and then they're going to hunt and they leave. So uh, there's going to be half of those guys that are going for the 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 fun and the food rather than the hunting, right? So mm -hmm. the food um, and beverage guys. <laughs> Yeah. So now if you take a look at Colorado and let's say and let's take the all the rifle hunts and you take the, the archery, whether you're archery or rifle, if you take a look during the archery, um, you really unless you want to hunt with muzzle loaders there, right? I'm out. Yeah, you really only have the Labor Day weekend. Mm hmm. True. Are they not hunting the 24th and 25th? Yeah, no, Joe? something wrong with that. The 24th and yeah. 25th should be in there. It's open. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, yeah. You yeah. Have that, they could hunt you have that, that too. The 25th, 26th. That's, whoever yeah. did this, I'm going to fire my graphics person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you got, and then you got, you know, pretty bright moon there as well. And at past, yeah, I mean, that's a great weekend right there. The 25th and 26th? Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. It, Just past the equinox, they'll be going nuts. Yeah. They should be going nuts then. So, you know, so you have the part where you've got a whole bunch of people on the Labor Day weekend running the elk around. It is a dark moon, but you got a whole lot more disturbance going on. Um, and, you you know, you take a look at that last weekend. You're losing a day, but the animal's going to help tell you where they're at, yep. right? Yep. And not as many people. And they've had a chance to settle down after that muzzleloader hunt as well. You know, there's people that think the muzzleloader hunt has an effect on the animals. And I think I think the effect is you not only have archery hunters out there, you have another whole group out there. So yeah. there's a lot more disturbance. Additional pressure. Yeah, it's just additional pressure. I don't know it's so much the muzzleloader. sound. Yeah, sound themselves. And, I, yeah. you know, some people will tell you as soon as they hear the first shot, they start disappearing. Well, you know, the cows have to eat. The cows have to drink, right? And the bulls are going to go where the cows are. They're not just going to run away and disappear. They got other driving forces going on, right? I, yeah. I guarantee you, man, any of us when we were teenagers and you're a mortar, man, there could be people shooting bullets over your head and it would, you wouldn't lose focus. Ah, forget it. That's okay. Don't pay <laughs> the, the noise. Right? <laughs> right? So. Yeah. And take a look at the rifle hunts. On the rifle hunt, almost every one of those hunts start on a Saturday. Every one of them. Now, but Definitely. here's what I want you to If you're asking about best time in Colorado to hunt, uh, I would say that it's either that, and, and that's still a tough time. That first rifle is a week later than it was last year. That's still a tough time. And it's on a full moon right there. Now, the, the hard part is the time that I think is the best time still dealing with coming out of a full moon is that 
fourth rifle. I like it the later the better. Hopefully that there's some snow on the ground in November in Colorado. And that's the reason that it's only five days right there the way it is is because that's generally a easier time to find animals when they're having bulls when they're out having to feed, you yep. know, getting ready for that winter. So you can see they're trying to entice you with that second rifle hunt right there <laughs> in the beginning of it, right? That's a, mm. a nice long hunt. Hey Joe I've never, I guess I've never looked at a, a, a rifle season calendar, but um, the the gap they have in between uh, first, mm-hmm. second, third, fourth rifle season, is that is that intentional to give yes, kind of the animals a break? What's uh... yeah? Think about it, man. Uh, think how much better your first day of the rifle hunt is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because those animals had a chance to relax for four or five days. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, it's intentional that way. So everybody, yeah. everything gets a break. Absolutely intentional. And they also, you know, I, they don't have any hunts in December when I believe that time in December is the best time to shoot a big bull because they're just yeah having, already getting away from the getting together. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah they're they're, they're breaking all, off from from the herd. And they've come out, they've already recovered, they've come out of the holes, and they're having to feed like crazy to survive the winter, so it's so much easier to spot and to locate. So, uh, yeah, that, that mm. just kind of gives you examples right there of those types of things that are oh. going on. All right. So, an, another configuration um, let's say that you're a non resident with multiple years in experience, multiple kills, any seven to 10 base camp you're mobile but you're looking for a mature or or let's say that you're looking for any bull if you're looking for any bull and you've got that seven to ten your multiple years experience and you're that non uh resident then man (laughs) if i'm in colorado that muzzleloader hunt kills me yeah Yeah. it it kills me so You know, I, I've even tell guys, look, if you're going to hunt that hunt in Colorado, I would be so tempted. And it changes. If it was New Mexico, it would be different because I wouldn't have that muzzleloader hunt. Right. But because of the muzzleloader hunt, I would actually go in on the uh, 18th. Mm-hmm. I'd go in on the 18th. and hunt through that week of the equinox. Yeah, and... Uh, I would go in, even though that's a muzzleloader hunt, I'd go in then and I'd put me on yeah. some bright orange. I'd start scouting. I'd mm-hmm. carry my bow. I would start uh, talking to other muzzleloader hunts to find out what's what and start getting my listening so that I'm ready to hunt on that 20th, man, when mm-hmm. nobody else, everybody else is pulled out of there. Listening so, for all the booms because those booms were where elk were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would actually use those end of that muzzleloader hunt as my days for recon, man. Yeah. What I would do. I so, like it. In Colorado. But very good. If we're if we're talking about New Mexico, well, I think you guys already you know, as me and Chav, Chav almost has a little bit different Chav's like if I hear you right, Chav, you're like, screw the the Labor Day weekend, just hunt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we have before. We've all been very successful doing it. Um, you know, it, it, it gives the working guys an opportunity to catch a few days that, you know, uh, usually you're off that Friday before get vacation and Monday for. after. Yep. Yeah. So you you don't have to take two extra days of vacation. And, I man, I'm telling you, I'd rather be in the woods than I would be 
uh, anywhere else. So if that's the only time I could go, it wouldn't bother me in the least. Come hell or high water, full moon or not, I'm going to be calling elk somewhere. Yeah. So, Gilbert, you've hunted the, the first and the second hunt. Yep. Which do you like? Man, they're different, you know. They're different. I've killed bulls on both sides. So, um, I don't remember you on a private ranch killing a bull every year for how many years now have you killed them? <laughs> no, I had opportunities to, Joe. One, so, I mean, four, three, four, <laughs> you're four years straight, five, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, five, yeah, five years so, straight, right? Yeah, and and look, but that's not that I couldn't have, right? I just chose not to. Uh, I don't think I ever hunted on a private ranch that I didn't have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just chose to pass some of those opportunities. Because okay. for me, let's, you know, we can talk about that too. There's killing a elk or killing the elk. And right. I was, you know, it was my money. I was going to spend it how I wanted to. And it really didn't matter to me about just killing a bull. And it, it drove some of my guys senseless. But And, and I wished I would have done that. I, it's better. I think once you get one under your belt, it... And you graduate and keep moving forward. But I knew what I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, both sides of it is is uh, unique. I, I, personally, I would prefer to hunt the front side. Uh, I think I think you have, side? yeah, the front side of the, you know, the, the first few weeks. Yeah. Uh, not the second. Uh, I think you have the advantage on the elk. Uh, I think you have... Uh, you're showing up first. They really haven't seen a whole lot of your traffic. Uh, I think uh, they're definitely getting geared up for the rut. Those bulls are eating a lot. They're on their feet. They're moving. They're doing pre-rut things. And it's it's a lot it's a lot harder once those cows get around and you trying to close the deal on making the bulls do what you want them to do once those cows are fired up in estrus. I think you and I both know you and I both been together when we've you know been in a big park full of elk and man we got a bull working straight to us and a bull sounds off in a different direction and they just decide to go to the next bull that's sounding off right, right. so when it fires up and everything it gets real complicated too you know so for me I think I 100% believe that uh, the first part of the hunt is for me. You know, if we can do it then, that's when I want to do it. Now, I'm not going to run away from the second part if that's all I can do. I ain't scared of it, and, and it's not a bad time to hunt. I just, my preference is the first the first week. And look, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, we've been, you know, public land killing bulls for the last five seasons, and it's not been, uh, it's not been. 80%. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's not been easy. But that's the beautiful part of it, man, uh, is we've learned a tremendous amount. Everybody in this group has contributed to some sort of education that we've gotten out of this. And, man, we've gotten to be a lot better elk hunters, archers, people. Uh, this podcast is, spun, you know, spurned out of that. I mean, it's uh, been fantastic. So if you ask me, Joe, I'm hunting that first week, man. You know, and come. I don't care if it's Labor Day or not. I'll throw something else out there too. I, I think with our style too, because we use kind of a base camp and we travel out of base camp. Yeah. And I would say myself, if if I was to do um, out of a base camp, 
uh, in, you know, in a hunting area, a hunting unit that I think I would go earlier to avoid a lot of people that go for the sexy um, because they, they want to hear them both screaming. Uh, and, you know, Chav, Chav's willing to go in. He wants to be there on, if I'm hearing you right, Chav, on the first, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. like to be there opening morning. I'd like to be there opening morning. And uh, Yeah, preferably not in a broke-down UTV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hearing, bulls, hearing bulls bugling, me and him looking at each other, man, why are we sitting in this thing? Let's go. <laughs> and, yeah, and D, true. you know, uh, I, I, I'm – me, I'm hunting that that day from uh, from the seventh to the fourteenth is what I'm looking at in that dark phase right there, coming out of it, just barely getting out of it on the fourteenth. Um, I I like the way that's getting closer, a little bit closer to that equinox before they're cowed up and the bulls are feeling a little bit, um, and the woods have emptied out some. That's that's I I just it just bothers me having all those people come in and out on that on that one weekend man because cool joe we can use the we can use the third through the fifth to scout sure you can but uh but some of the, and and we've done that in the past i mean me and Definitely. chapman in there you know early yeah. we're usually there the first and the second with you guys coming in on the four yeah. so you know it's one of those types of deals and we've had crazy cool things happen at that time oh now if i have my camp on my back and i'm bivying I might go that second hunt, man, and get up there, especially if I'm in a wilderness area and bivy on my back and just follow them puppies, you know, to different mm -hmm. places. So uh, it's a different type of experience, I think, than that because I could be on them. Uh, and, and the only reason I look at that is because of the full moon. The full moon helps me see at night, helps me be on them, and I'm going to stay with them the whole time anyway. I'm not worried about going back someplace if you're doing a backpacking experience. So that's Solo, yeah. Total, yeah. Yeah totally different deal man on, mm. on it like that and you know you take a look at the rifle hunt let me tell you what in october look at at uh here in new mexico um if if the only week i'm myself that i'm putting in for is that that yeah, that buddy. first hunt that green one right there Whew. you know uh okay. that's, that's the one i'm putting in for because after that now you can still there are still going to be bulls bugling if you're after any bull not a problem if you're after a huge bull it will be a problem because a lot of those guys will dive off and disappear until a little bit later but there are oh here let me show you one more map i, I want everybody to get this so i'm gonna show you one more grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you. 
backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. So I want you to look at the red, which is the Equinox, and then you see a purple purple. You see that? Yes, Yeah. All right. So what that signifies, basically... If a cow came in heat, let's say a cow came in estrus, first cycle, on the 22nd, that means if that cow is not bred, that cow will come back in estrus approximately three weeks later, 20 to 21 days. So you're looking at that day on the 13th. That's if that cow, and again, it's not exact science, the estrus, but it's going to be around that time, right? So if that if that same cow came in on the fifteenth, boom, that, that hits right there on the sixth. If if you're that person that's hunting that October hunt and those cows came in heat and did not get bred on that twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth, well that's that exact week that you want to be hunting during that that they're gonna hit that second estrus, man, and start yeah. still doing some screaming. Okay? Well what if those cows came in seven days late from that, and they came in on the, um, I was on the 29th. Well, you're going to look another week past that other purple. So that yeah. gives you an idea during that time when those esters can happen. So when you see that next purple, let's say that, again, if it was on that 22nd, and then they were not bred on that second estrus, there is a chance for that first part of November to have cows come in heat. Mm-hmm. Interesting, Joe. Now, w- would you, would it be possible, as we kind of discussed before, that there's would be some coming into estrus three weeks prior to the equinox? So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So if that happens, if you have one that came in on the the first, that means if it came in again on the equinox, that's the second estrus. Yeah. You follow me? And a lot of those cows, if a cow did come in heat and was not bred efficiently early because they're just not happening, there's not enough bulls around at that time, well, there's a good chance that that cow is going to come in that second estrus during that hot week right there. Okay? So that means that that cow... And what is going to cause a cow to not be bred is going to be the inefficiency of the bulls in the area depending on your age class, depending on mm-hmm. number of bulls, depending on competition. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that cause that to happen, but it can happen. If you have multiple mature bulls, they're pretty efficient at breeding those cows. 
In general, what's the latest that you think a cow can actually get, um, you know, go into estrus? I I think it's going to be that last week in October. The in November, you mean? Or oh. oh, first last week in October. Yeah, yeah, last week in October. There, I've seen it. Um, I have not. Uh, I mean, I've heard bulls bugling in October, but I don't think it was a rut. I just think it was bulls sounding off myself. But I have, uh, I've seen ruts happening in that last week of October. And so what ends up happening there is, like you said, Luis, one of those cows came in heat early, um, probably wasn't bred uh, in, in that time when all the competition was happening, whatever, for whatever reason, and then, and then came in later. And so, mm. and the way you, the, it works is that, uh, I'm trying to remember, but I think it's the, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember how that happened because there's 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 a difference between the young cows and the old cows as far as when they come in and eat. I think the younger ones are all over the place and the the older ones are more consistent. More consistent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it makes so, sense. Yeah. I think I read something like that too, Joe. Yeah. So I just wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see just an example that you know, 20 to 21 days later, after one comes in estrus, you have a chance for another instance on that. All right, so I'm gonna take this off here and get it back to, back to the crew right there. And, you know, I'm trying to think if there's any other type of, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that you could talk about, but I think the less experience you have, the more you go towards needing more help, either yeah. more help from somebody that can call from you so that you can hunt any time of the year. Um, or, uh, you know, you getting help from the elk themselves. You yeah. follow me? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to maximize everything. So yeah. if you're experienced and you can go where you're going to have more opportunities or where the elk are rutting and, you know, you, you have the option to do that and you have the number of days. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, so and in, in, in to do a synopsis and a summary of all of this for archery. Um, for archery, I would say, you know, if you have experience, you have choices based on your philosophy and you're going to do that from your experience. We like the earlier. That's how we do. Um, if, uh, if you, the less experience that you have, then you need to go later to where the animals are going to help you out more for the rifle and muzzleloader hunters are pretty much set when they're set. Uh, Mm -hmm. but rifle hunters generally have multiple seasons. And I would say the closer to the front of October as possible, um, you can still get some in that second week, but the big bulls are starting to bail off there. And then the later, man, the closer you can get to December is your best opportunity for a big bull. Come back out feeding, huh, Joe? They got to get that feed bag on, get ready for the big one. Absolutely, man. That's absolutely key. So that's where we're talking about the win. And, uh, guys, I will also put links uh, to this. If you have other states that you would like <clears> us <throat> to kind of put some of the, the – even New Mexico, it's really hard because I just want to tell you, in New Mexico, I put those dates that showed those first three rifle. But usually that first one in some places are a muzzleloader hunt, and there have been some rifle hunts in certain units that change up. And there are some late hunts in New Mexico uh, in December, but they're only for residents only. 
as well in here. So there's a lot of different, you got to really kind of look around. There, it's not like an overall thing uh, in New Mexico like it is in Utah or like it is in uh, Idaho and in those states. So uh, if you have interest in one of those states, throw us a line, man, and I'll try to do up a calendar as best I can, and uh, we'll try to throw it on and, and give it a yell. But uh, next week when we do this, next week we're going to be talking about um, – Increased conditioning, increased opportunities. So, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to get a lot of perspective. You know, Chad's going to give you his perspective. I'm going to give you mine. Gilbert's going to give you his. Luis going to give you his. Manano's going to give you his. And right. uh, Manano basically chases his son around the house all day long. That's <laughs> Changing <good>. diapers. <laughs> that's yeah, that's workout, sure. man. Oh, yeah. Because you said the been... really fast, right? Uh, yeah, Tomas. He's gotten really fast, huh? Yeah, he runs really fast, and Clara is about to run, too. <laughs> it won't be long. You have them both in there. You don't have to tie them up, man. Keep yeah. in is there. that Rodriguez blood in them? Yeah, it had to be. <laughs> That's funny, man. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or Apple iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder to all our listeners out there, if you'd yeah. like to, like to Gilbert, have it. I know, you, I know what you're getting ready to say. You're getting ready. You do it so well telling them, you know, if they want to send questions. We did not get a single question in the mail. First time, man. We wow, did, no questions. No I'm questions shocked. in the mailbox. That, that just means we're explaining it very well, Joe. Well, either that or we got to <laughs> stop doing this because everybody knows it now. So we're yeah. <laughs> boring people now. So <laughs> if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on the show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Unbelievable content today. You guys get your stuff ready because I'm telling you, you're going to want to get your applications in on time. You guys that have been in the harvest states and y'all harvest some animals, make sure you fill out all your harvest reports because that's going to definitely mean whether you're going to get drunk, have an opportunity to draw this year or not. It's closing in, Joe. Before we know it, we'll be having to make our own draws and, and stuff like that. I can't wait. This is a, a fun time of the year, but you know, these series that Joe and, and all of us have put together here have been just fantastic, especially to help us pick the right times for us to be in the woods on our skill set, uh, on our, you know, experience level and, you know, whether we can call or whether we can't. This was really good stuff, Joe. Great job tonight, to everybody and all of their contributions. I'm, I'm hoping we didn't do a good job explaining. We get a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We have to revisit it. Yeah. We can usually we got questions we can't answer because we run over time. So uh, that, I'm hoping we get back to that for sure. Yep. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure uh, tonight. Um, you know, like we say down here in H-Town in the big state of Texas, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, everybody. Peace. Mm.
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.